Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name's Dan Carson, and I've got Chris Vines with me today. Hey, Dan. It's great to be with you again. It is great to be back. As we record this, we're a couple of weeks out from Easter. What's that look like there at Garrett Memorial? Well, you know what? We uh, we we rent a bunch of bunny rabbits and let them loose on the church grounds uh, about two weeks prior, spread out Easter eggs, um, and uh, do all kinds of fun things, you know. And if you're still believing that, then I've also got a piece of property uh, that I <laughs> want to sell you. Uh, beachside property in Colorado. Is that how, is that, how that phrase goes? Uh, something Man, like that. <laughs> I'm being silly, obviously. Uh, no, I mean, getting ready for Resurrection Sunday um, is, uh, man, it's a joy. It's a, it's a pleasure. We're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of it is, uh, I think, like most people, we try to spruce the place up, do a little bit of spring cleaning, you know, um, getting rid of cobwebs and, and just cleaning up the, the face of the of our building, getting ready for spring and just, you know, just putting on those spring clothes, uh, so to speak. And so and of course, preparing for guests and our members alike and just getting ready to celebrate together our risen Savior. Well, I know here in 2022, and I'll put the date on there just in case you're, you're listening to this many years later, the simple truth is that we're still kind of getting back to normal or trying to step into what a Resurrection Sunday looks like. And so there are many things that kind of fell by the wayside and other things we're trying to make sure that are still going. It's it's hard and it's unusual and and how that interconnects with student ministry can be difficult. You know, it's it's one of those things. We love Easter. It's a great time to celebrate what God did through his son, Jesus. That's right. So, well, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking with a professional counselor. I'm excited about this. We're beginning a new series about helping our students navigate emotional issues. Today, we're going to be talking about death and loss with Jennifer Grimm. But before we get to Jennifer, let me just take this moment to thank our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway. Central Baptist College is engaging, it is inspiring, it is challenging, it is all those things your students might need as they take the next step in their educational journey. So let me just encourage you to have them check it out at cbc.edu. They can set up a virtual visit or they can go in person to visit the college. It's a small place which is really honestly a great thing. The students there have the opportunity to really connect with professors, with one another, and focus their life and ambitions through their relationship with Christ. And so we're excited about that. Well, Jennifer Grimm is our guest today. She works with Fresh Roots Family Counseling in Rogers, Arkansas. As most of the the members of these next few conversations are going to be from Fresh Roots. I'm excited about that. Jennifer is a 2002 graduate of Arkansas State University and a 2009 graduate from John Brown University with her Master's of Science in Counseling. 
She and my wife graduated together. Um, she's been counseling for over 12 years and worked with Teen Challenge Adventure Ranch as the clinical director and had opportunity to help families and work with them. Welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. Hey, it's good to be here with you guys today. Well, Jennifer, we like for our listeners to get to know our our interviewees a little bit better. So we got to ask them some good questions and they revolve around food every once in a while, um, maybe more often than not. <laughs> so let me ask, you live in Northwest Arkansas. If you're up here visiting the University of Arkansas for a ball game or you're just up here for the weekend, it's a gorgeous place to live. Uh, where are you going to go for a meal? I am a big breakfast fan. And so one of my favorites is the buttered biscuit or first watch. Those are some of my favorite places to go. They're amazing. Now I've been to the first watch in, in Fayetteville and mm-hmm. I've been to buttered biscuit, both the two of their locations. And you're right. They're just great places, but breakfast food is, is yummy, you know? Yes, yes, it is. A lot of people can go to a Cracker Barrel where they're at, but there's something a little different about both of those places. Well, shrimp and grits. Shrimp and grits. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I've never been a grits fan. I've seen, I watch a lot of Food Network. That's This is me just being transparent here. I watch a lot of Food Network <laughs> and I haven't gotten on board with grits. And I know I should. I live in the South, but you know. Uh, so, well, listen, if... Um, if Chris, if you come up this way, where where is there a place you like to go, and or do you get a chance to come up to God's uh, country? Yeah, that's that's it's not really a fair question. I've, I've been okay, so I was up there uh, the first of this year, um, and I didn't get to eat a lot of the local food, uh, but I did eat at uh, is it Wrigley's Barbecue? There's a Wright's Barbecue. Wright's. Wright's. Oh. I knew it started with a W. Uh, yeah. I was thinking Wrigley with a W, by the way. But yeah, uh, Wright's. Wright's Barbecue. And so I ate at uh, at one of their locations. It wasn't the, uh, the original location. So that probably, I probably lose some points with some of our, our listeners who know what probably. I'm talking about there. Right. Uh, but anyway, it was, still, it was good barbecue. Is great barbecue. You got to go to the one in Johnson. Uh, that's okay. the one, the original one. Okay. Actually, they started as a food truck, but then they they went to Johnson, and they also have one in Bentonville. Ryan's yeah. Barbecue is is one of the best, and so yeah, we'd love for them to be a sponsor. That would be fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, that yeah. would be cool. That would, <laughs> it be, would be, really be cool. cool. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, there. Uh, I will say this about Northwest Arkansas. I mean, uh, beautiful landscapes lots of walking trails and bike trails and just, uh, I mean, man, all the, all the little downtown areas of, of Fayetteville and Rogers and Bentonville. I mean, just, just an incredible effort by the, I guess, each respective city to really build up those areas so that you don't just enjoy barbecue on the inside. I mean, you want (laughs) to, you want to go outside and enjoy the weather and maybe even eat barbecue while riding a bike and stuff like that. So, Man, if you get a chance, listeners, to check out Northwest Arkansas, I encourage you to do so. It's fantastic. Well, Jennifer, he he brought up a, gr- a great question. It, if you got some spare time in between your counseling sessions, what do you like to do up here? Oh, they have a lot of great parks. I really enjoy um, going to parks. As a matter of fact, that's kind of my thing with my daughter is making a list of all the different parks for us to go and explore and 
They all have different trails and some of them are easy and some of them are hard, but we call them adventures. So we like to go on adventures. And as a matter of fact, I live out near Cane Hill, which is a really tiny town that most people don't know anything about, but they have a museum and they have a great little trail that's well marked and got really some some good history out there for history buffs and stuff like that. And it's out in the, it's, it's a beautiful drive to get out there. So yeah. Well, that's gorgeous. Well, Jennifer, let's kind of hop more into where our our listeners might be interested. I mean, if you don't live in Arkansas, you don't live close enough to drive to us, we we do feel sorry for you. But uh, we would love for you to to visit this area and reach out to to me, and I'd love to to show you around if you happen to be in Northwest Arkansas. We are speaking to full time, part time, bivocational and volunteer student ministry workers, and so for us. One of the most important things is is how our re- relationship with God began. And so, Jennifer, tell us about that for you. How did your relationship with God begin? I actually am the product of a bus ministry, which I don't know. Back in my day, it was a huge thing. There was lots of, of that. And, um, and so our local Baptist church just came knocking. And as a matter of fact, they were rather persistent in coming every weekend and um, and for a year they came and they knocked at the door and um, and then I started to go and and they introduced me to the Lord and and um, and I got saved and baptized and that church and the youth ministry there um, I was there until I was 16 years old so from the time I was 12 to 16 really grew up just the youth pastor was amazing. He was the one that actually was the also the bus minister. So I know that there's a lot of people who wear more than one hats when they're in ministry. And um, both of those hats meant something to me as far as growing up in my faith and, and how he just helped to um, really get me a good foundation that has grown me into my adult faith. Well, you know, during those years, whether it's junior high or high school, it sounds like that youth pastor made a significant impact in your life. Where, who else during that period? Maybe a coach, a teacher, or someone else in the church. Who was somebody else who influenced your faith? Really, um, the other parents of other students. Okay. Because um, my parents didn't go to church. It was just me and and my brother, and um, and so having other adults around who um, were interested and I could talk to about those things that I couldn't talk to my parents about. Our church was small, and so everyone was pretty important. And then probably the other biggest person was honestly my pastor's wife. She was another one that um, just kind of took me under her wing and um, was there. But a lot of them just helped to influence me and be there for me in, in ways that, you know, my parents were good parents, but they, they weren't people of faith. Right. Right. And that, I mean, that's, that's huge. And so we, we always have to remember that whether you hold a position or not, um, student ministry is happening. I think about, there's a, a gentleman, he is actually on my board for this organization uh, that doesn't have any students right now. And he is a just, a, he, I say just, that's not the, the best term. He is a volunteer in the student ministry at his church. But he also ministers to students that are at Central Baptist College. So like my daughter, he took my daughter to breakfast the other day. And it was just so great to hear that and to, to know that the impact that these people 
that aren't getting paid for ministry at all are loving on students. And that's what it sounds like happened in your life. Well, you have been involved in in helping ministries um, for a long time, the the Teen Challenge Adventure Ranch. And so what what led you to counseling as a means to help people? So my undergraduate degree was in animal science. I thought I was going to be a veterinarian and and the Lord came and kind of rocked my world and said, no, we're going to put you in ministry. And And so along with that, there was some feeling of inadequacy as we deal with teens that struggle with some pretty big issues. And, um, and so God is good. And, um, but I also believe that gaining more tools and more skills is a wise move to make if you're going to continue to work with, with the kids that we were dealing with there. And so, and it was a piece of our ministry that we didn't have, we didn't have any professionals um, like that on staff. And so I really wanted to to add to the ministry, not be the main thing, but add to what we were already doing and what God was already doing. And and so I decided that I was going to go back to school and get my master's degree. And that's how we got there. <laughs> well, I, I love John Brown University. That's where my wife graduated. It's a, a Christian university here in Northwest Arkansas that has a significant impact on shaping young men and women for ministry in all types of vocations. And that's what I love about Central Baptist College and John Brown and Washita. I think that that schools, uh, Christian schools, have that opportunity and that ability. Let me ask a question. I have often wondered, and I've seen these two different phrases, biblical counseling versus counseling a licensed counselor. What's the difference there? In biblical counseling, it's definitely more of a, as we grow up in our faith and as we learn theology and and those things, just turning to the Bible um, and getting, you know, getting resources and, and that from from there, which is great. I mean, I, I still definitely, you know, pull from that as a part of my, my ministry and, and even in my counseling now. Becoming a licensed counselor gives you... A, a foundation more for the golly um, more for the different kind of of tools or interventions is what we call them that mm-hmm. we use because the Bible gives us great foundations it doesn't give us interventions so to speak like specific ways to to help people um, it gives us the the great wisdom and and those things to share with people which are the things that I use but the interventions like the cognitive therapy or being able to um, what we call solution focused therapy, just ways to kind of help people kind of get around themselves. Cause when we go to counseling, we're stuck, you know, cause we all get stuck. I don't care who you are, we get stuck. And so my biblical foundation gives me the theology that, you know, sin is a big thing that gets us stuck a lot. However, my licensed counseling gives me the, the interventions to help people come to recognitions for themselves about why they're stuck and how to get unstuck for themselves. Okay. There is those two segments. There are those that are biblical counselors, and then there are those that are licensed counselors, and they're a little bit different. I know that here in the state of Arkansas, you cannot be a licensed counselor and call yourself a Christian counselor because that's technically not an area that you can specialize in. You can be faith-based, but you can't technically call yourself a Christian counselor. Is that that's still correct? 
Yeah, most people associate Christian counselors with not being licensed. So not having like the full training, Christian counselors are more lay lay people. And so I think the state really wants to be careful to differentiate that. So when people go to a counselor, they understand this is not a licensed, a state licensed person that we've given our stamp of approval to, so to speak. This is um, this is somebody that, that does this as a, as a vocational, I mean, not a vocational, I think I said that wrong, but anyways, more of a lay person, sure. right? a licensed counselor, somebody that they've given their stamp of approval and they've said, we monitor them and we make sure that they, um, they know what they're doing and that they're doing it well. Well, again, thank you for, for, for some answers there, verbalizing some things, um, just kind of set some framework. As, as we continue this conversation about how counseling impacts students and really looking at this issue of helping students navigate this emotional issue of death and loss, um, let, me ask, let me ask some questions here. What are some ways teenagers grieve differently than adults? They're at a different developmental stage. And so, you know, for, for teenagers and, and your pre-teenagers that are in, in middle school and that, they're really, they're just now getting to this stage of life where their interactions with people aren't just about themselves, but it's more about interpersonal relationships. It's about both of us being together and not just about me and, and my needs. And so whenever death comes, um, there can be some confusion and they don't even recognize, you know, that confusion. Um, but there's this confusion of, you know, what does this really mean to me that this has happened? Like, is this, does this mean that I've, you know, that I've lost not just a, you know, a grandparent or a parent or whatever, you know, whoever, or sometimes it's not even people, but just losing a house and making big moves, you know, those kinds of things are, are big losses, um, changing schools you know, for teenagers can be a, a big loss. And so just like they're already grappling with this idea of, of who am I and and who are people in relationship to me? And then I have this big loss. So what does this look like and mean? And it can be extremely confusing. And not only that, but this is a stage where most people are going to have their first big loss is during this time, whether it's a grandparent, like I said, whether it's moving um, schools or jobs. And, and we just experienced COVID and a lot of people had a lot of losses, some even multiple ones. And so this is such a current thing for them. And so, you know, as they grieve this, just helping them to to be okay with where they're at, because it's very confusing, you know, for them and, and what they're going through. And just recognizing that this may be the first big one. Another big thing is, is that they are really looking to other people to see how other people grieve, because they don't know, especially if this is their first time, they have no idea. So they're, they're not just looking to their parents, but they're looking to, to other people to see, you know, they don't understand that there's not really a right or a wrong way. There's just grief. So they're looking for like, what is the right way to do this? What does this look like? And so um, just being aware that, that there's that added confusion for them and that added looking towards other people for right and wrong, struggling with this idea. Because up to this point in their life, pain has always been bad. It has signaled that something bad is has happened and I need to change things. I need to do things differently. And emotional pain is not the same thing. And so this is an intense emotional pain when you're talking about grief and loss. And so helping them to recognize that it hurts, 
and it's bad only because it hurts, but it's, it's a hurt that um, you don't try to avoid. You don't try to numb because those are some big, I've seen things go wrong when they try to avoid that pain and, and then they start turning to the wrong things to, to navigate that and to numb that, to not have to feel that, to escape that. And that's probably one of the biggest things is kind of looking out and seeing, are they really helping them to understand that they're going to have to work through this, that this isn't something to avoid or to run from and to be looking out for those signs of this is wrong. It's not wrong that they might be bottling stuff up, but it's wrong when their behaviors start to turn to other things to, to numb them. Well, you've mentioned that a, a couple of times there. So what are some of those things that we might want to be looking for that they are turning to, to numb themselves as, as leaders, as pastors, you know, what, what do we need to be watching for? Really, if they start to have big shifts, um, long-term shifts, I'm not talking, I mean, we all know that, that the intense immediacy of grief and pain, you know, people may shut down a little while, but if this becomes extended, I mean, if we're talking about major personality shifts, if they start choosing different people to be with, maybe in their pain, they start connecting with another peer group that's not a positive peer group for them to be connected to, especially if they if they start noticing them being more um, secretive and, and hidden with things. Those are some really big things. And, you know, one of the stages of grief is anger. And so you want to allow them that opportunity to, to have that, that period of, of anger. Again, when it starts to be prolonged, anger is another way to numb because there's always anger is what we call second story emotion. So there's something on and going on underneath that. And if they can't get to that, then anger is just another way to numb. And it becomes a part of a part of their life and who they are. It creates that bitterness that it just starts to seep in and it separates them from people instead of being drawn to people, which in our time of grief and loss, that's what we need. We need connection and not separation. And so it's not about forcing them to talk about things. It's about being with them in the middle of it and, and having that kind of a connection with them, not, not necessarily a verbal connection. Chris, you, um, you and I, I mean, I, I don't know your story fully, does this ring true? Did you experience any loss during your teenage years that that hit you? No, Dan, I actually haven't. Um, this is <laughs> this is something that personally, being transparent, uh, I find difficult because I, I'm I'm aware enough in my in my life to know that I haven't personally experienced heavy loss yet. Right? Um, I, I still have both parents. I, I lost a grandparent when I was nine, and that was probably the most difficult, you know, for me because I was closer to her. Um, but I was also I was nine years old, and there was a lot of things that I just didn't understand at that point. And so um, I look back on it, and it was a sad day. It was it was, uh, but but it didn't affect me in, in a in a great way. I mean, there was grief, yes, but but so to answer your question specifically, uh, no, I, I haven't experienced that kind of loss. And so the transparent part that I'm talking about here is sometimes I find it difficult in helping those who who do experience loss, because I think there's a natural tendency within just us as human beings to think that the way that we help somebody move forward is by 
um, being able to understand what they're going through. And, and I don't think that's, I don't think that's always true. In fact, I think we need to avoid that kind of thinking. And that's something that I've, I've, I've been thinking about recently, just within my own thoughts, because I think we box ourselves in. And <clears throat> if I'm going to be really honest, the, the I think this is a, a, a lie that the enemy tells us as believers in order to avoid trying to help somebody. Because if the, if the lie is you, you can't rightly say, I understand. So you better not even try to go help, right? Mm, Cause you've never yeah. been there. You need to let somebody else do that. Well, the problem with that is nobody else might, you know, uh, might come along to help. And, but we as Christians, as followers of Christ, we are called to, um, encourage, build up, exhort, strengthen, speak courage into one another. And, and the way that we do that is according to the word of God. Um, Psalm 119, 28 says, my, my life is wasting away with sorrow. Build me up, strengthen me according to your word. Right. And so I have to remind myself that even though I have not experienced the kind of grief and loss that I see people within my faith family experiencing even right now, that does not limit me from being able to help them and encourage them and speak truth to them. Well, Chris, I, I think about what a counselor would have to look like if they had to experience everything to be used. I mean, they would just be yeah. wrecks. I mean, it would yeah. be, they yeah. would just be these grizzled yeah. people just trying to exist. Oh, say, oh, right. you'll make it through, you That's know? Right. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, like, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to take away from, uh, you know, the, the inside of, of Jennifer. I want, I want, in other words, I want to hear what she has to say on this, but I, I believe uh, this is something that is, has again, been on my mind for a while. And I think we have to fight against it because without going down another rabbit hole, I think there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. And I think that a lot of times in our common culture today, we overemphasize the need for empathy instead of what I think scripture talks yeah. about true sympathy. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, again, I know that probably deserves some, some explanation. I don't want to go down my full train of thought there, but just let it, let it be said that everything I just said is common sense, right? I think we all know it. I'm not saying anything deep, but sometimes we just need to say it out loud to say, you know what? You don't have to be at a point of saying, I understand, or you don't have to be at a point of being someone who has been in that exact situation in order to be the person that God can use to help a person who is in a particular situation, right? Um, and so, but at the same time, in that thought, and this is where I want to kick it back to Jennifer, I think I think there's a good question that we need to ask, especially from a pastoral standpoint, who, you know, I, I love helping people. Um, I'm, I'm called to do that. But there comes a point where um, I need to refer, you know, to someone who is a quote unquote professional counselor. Right. And so, Jennifer, I'd love to hear what you have to say to uh, to a student pastor who may find themselves in a situation that says, you know what, I'm, I'm thinking I might be a little bit out of my depth, so to speak here. And, and so at what point do we need to maybe make a call to, to you or someone who's like you in our local area? That's a really great question. And before I answer that though, I want to affirm what you said. I'm in total agreement with that because that's exactly what they need. They don't need somebody to say, I understand because everybody's grief is so different. There is no being able to understand exactly where they're at in that moment. 
there's just being present with them mm. in that moment. That's good. And yeah. um, I lost my mom whenever I had just turned 20 years old. So barely, you know, barely into my twenties. And, and the greatest thing that ever happened was I had a friend, a mentor from my church who just came and sat with me. That's all mm. she did. She didn't talk to me. She cried with me and she just sat with me. She didn't try to give me words of encouragement or any of that. She was just there. And, mm. um, you know, and the other thing I would say with that too is don't necessarily try to avoid having conversations about the person that they lost because mm. those memories in those moments can actually um, bring joy instead of sorrow. Yeah. And so don't, don't necessarily try to avoid that. As far as when to, to give somebody like me a call, grief gets complicated whenever they start doing things, like I said, whenever they start to um, really isolate um, themselves, not talking about it. I want to emphasize that not talking about the specific grief is not the same thing as isolation. Mm. I'm talking about whenever they're withdrawing, whenever they're becoming a different person than, than who they are. And whenever they're seeking out um, different relationships than what they've had before. Yeah. Um, whenever anger is creating some really negative behaviors that are, you know, not so socially acceptable, like outbursts and, and those kinds of things. It's at that point that seeking, um, you know, somebody that can help them dig a little bit deeper into, you know, into their grief and, and where they're going with that um, yeah. would be a good, good call at that point in time. So I just, I always say just because they don't want to necessarily talk about it doesn't mean that they're, they're handling it the wrong way. It's more the mm. isolation and the separation, like you said, that's a big sign that maybe yeah. some help is needed. Yeah, no, that's so good. I, and personally, I'll be honest, I need to hear that. So that's, that's very good. I love what you said earlier too, that we need connection, not separation. I have a tendency, and this is just personal, and I think others might be like me in this. I have a tendency to want to give people space in, in moments of deep grief. And, and part of that makes sense in my mind, mm -hmm. but the other part is what you just said that we don't need to separate in the perp for the purpose of isolation, right? We need to, we need connection. And just like you just described that, that, uh, that moment in your life, I mean, someone just being there with you in silence, um, is connection. Yeah. So that's good. I, I appreciate that. That's a great perspective. Well, I think we are just barely hitting the tip of the iceberg on some of these issues with you. I, we, but I do want us to to just think about some practical takeaways for our listeners. And so if we're going to look at this issue of death and loss, um, what are some practical things that we can do as student ministry workers in helping our students navigate these issues? Well, one, there's a really great resource. It's called um, Tear Soup, and you can actually look that up on YouTube. And um, it's a kind of a cheesy video, but it really um, it can give you a common language with that person, something to share with them um, to help you talk about, you know, how different the grief process looks like for everybody, the length of time you know, all those things, it can help you to understand grief more for your students, as well as um, sharing it with them can give them a language to talk to. Because at this stage too in life, they might not have a good language on how to, to talk about their grief or how to express it. Norman Wright, 
uh, is another great resource. He has a lot of different resources out there for grief. And some of them are really like small little books that you can even have in your library to, to be able to share with, um, you know, with your students. And then again, just um, being available to connect. And um, I'm going to actually steal this from, from a different um, podcast, but I really liked what they said, which was finding ways to actually reach out. We don't just say, hey, if you need anything, call me have something in your back pocket to do. Say, hey, I'd like to bring a meal by. Or, hey, can I take you out to play basketball? Or can I take you out to to get some ice cream? Whatever it is, have something in your back pocket to just offer them and and give them the space to accept it or to not accept it um, rather than going up to them and saying, hey, if you need anything, and you you probably really mean it. Like really anything you need, I'm willing to do. Um, But in those moments, you got this brain fog. You don't know what you need, (laughs) you know? And so have something that you can just offer and, and see if they're willing and they want it. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Chris, you got any more questions for, for Jennifer today? Man, I got a ton of questions, Dan, but we're 35 minutes in. I know. (laughs) Jennifer, uh, here's my question. Um, Will you come back on the podcast sometime? Anytime, guys. Okay, awesome. That's great. That's, That's great. my question because I'd love to do a part two through seven. <laughs> well, again, Jennifer is a part of our series on uh, helping our students navigate emotional issues. And so I'm looking forward to these next episodes, but we want to have Jennifer back on it for another podcast as well. Um, these are difficult issues as we work with students. Now, in our show notes, we're going to have a, a link to Fresh Roots website, um, if you want to reach out to Jennifer, you can reach her through there. Or if you need to set up a counseling session and you live in Northwest Arkansas, that's a great place to go. My wife is a part of the team there. Um, so just reach out to them. If you have any questions or need anything else, though, you can reach out to me or Chris. Uh, info at studentministrymatters.com. We'd love to hear from you, love to connect and be of assistance as we can. Well, we want to help students. We want to help them navigate the difficulties of life with the Word of God and showing them to Jesus because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.